King Aegon I Targaryen took both of his sisters to wife. Rhaenys and Visenya were dragon riders with their silver gold hair, purple eyes, and beauty of true Targaryens. Elsewise, the two queens were unlike each other as any two women could be, save in one other respect. Each of them gave the king a son. Fast forward. The reign of King Maegor one Targaryen, known to history and legend as Maegor the Cruel, lasted six years and 66 days. And he died at 6 p.m. Ooh, <laughs> uh, at the age of 66 p.m., uh, the 66 second. That's not a thing. <laughs> Upon his death, his corpse was burned in the yard of the Red Keep. His ashes interred afterward on Dragonstone beside those of his mother. He died childless and left no heir of his body. Digimon did the same thing with their big bad guy. Really? Yeah, in the first season. It's a really clean break. What is? You're the bad guy dying with no heirs. Oh, yeah, but I was talking about the the 666 thing. Oh, okay, got it. He's a bad guy. Yeah, I know, (laughs) if it wasn't clear enough. Yeah. Man, this chapter, first of all, is literally a thousand pages long. Mm Mm-hmm. And (laughs) 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 I just got to put that out there at the top of the episode. Sorry to everyone that... uh, cracked open their book to be like, all right, we're going to give some owns for Game of Owns this right. week. What? Well, we did the same exact thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about that as we were reading because we did a call for owns the night before we recorded. Mm-hmm. No big deal. We also sat down to read right before we recorded. No big deal. The usual. I'm like 20 pages into the chapter and I'm like, uh. <laughs> Showing signs of, of fatigue. <laughs> yeah. Like, how much is left? Anis. Anis. I can't remember everyone's name. This was a really good chapter, though. Yeah, it was. For as long as it was. there And, I mean, this is so stupid to say, but so much happened in the chapter. It was really interesting. I found it to be exciting. And we were talking a little bit after we finished reading the chapter about how much we better understand Magor. I mean, we've heard about him Mm -hmm. as this cruel, unusually cruel intense like the archetypal bad targaryen Uh before the mad king the 666 guy yeah and (laughs) (laughs) now we get that deep dive and we get to see from him as a small baby all the way up until his the paragraph i just read yeah (laughs) be the quote-unquote bad guy all the way for him to be uh what's it like minimized into a trope almost i know yeah but again that's kind of the nature of I think that George also lost a little bit of momentum toward the end of this chapter mm-hmm. as far as his richness of details. Mm-hmm. A lot of the a lot of the things that happened with Magor, whenever his rule started to fall apart, fell apart. Yeah. With a little bit less of the romantic explanation of where the so far in these four chapters of Fire and Blood, there's been we've talked about it before, there's been really uh there's there's some mystery buried in there and then in this chapter i think exemplifies the best uh some of the best uh moment by moment reading bookish sort of feeling i found myself really feeling close to anus yeah and he's not or anies he's not someone that i are we gonna call him anus or anies it's a mixed bag today (laughs) he's not someone that i ever thought that i would know sure (laughs) that i i foresaw myself feeling close to but this chapter had that, uh, there, there was a flow at, at some parts, especially with him. We spent a lot of time with him inside of his mind and how he came came to his conclusions and stuff. There's a lot of intricate detail about their followers and the the highborns that they've either risen up or they've 
turned to their side mm-hmm. and what they are given based on how loyal they are to the Targaryens. There was a lot of romance and and detail in Anus's period, I felt, of the right. chapter uh, talking about, and even when we were mentioning Aegon, um, the first before he died in this chapter, before he had a stroke, um, more details about the uh, crumbling of the inf- infrastructure that he and his sisters had built in the first yeah. couple chapters. Yeah. But toward the end, whenever, uh, I guess pretty much after Visenya died, I guess after the Black Brides almost, mm-hmm. after the three wives, Magor's uh, decline was just, George kind of summed it up a lot faster. A lot was happening. There was a lot of momentum. And it seemed like the point was, it was less about him sort of being minimized as a character. And it was just more focused on the point was that this guy just lost control of everything without anything about what he did, what he carried out, the, the way that he was affected before really changing. It was really about everyone else changing their minds. Mm-hmm. But I felt like we didn't get as much detail on that about their minds changing. We're just sort of supposed to know that they were changing their minds because of what was happening to Megor. Right. And so I guess George didn't want to come right out and say it when he has sort of very obviously said the good things about how the, the kingdom has gotten built and the good things about how the nobles have decided to follow these guys. I felt like we kind of were left to just know that he was crazy and that it's just kind of like that cringy feeling that when you see someone sort of losing it, everyone's like, Ugh. Well, especially as as the things he did continue to escalate. And after he had to deal with everything with Tiana, cursing all of his wives and all of this issue that he's having with an heir, and he finally just can't deal with these uprisings anymore. Kind of what you're thinking about. I thought it was interesting that with Anies, we get his decline in, or we get multiple points where he's unable to make a decision. And that's kind of his big fault is he can't do that. But Magor has the same exact thing happen to him at the end of his reign. Does he? Yeah. He spends, he's got, as soon as Jaehaerys declares, mm-hmm. Magor tries to call his guys, and he kind of looks around and realizes that... Only the people with the spooky last name show yeah, up. Yeah, he's got just a bunch of little guys, and so they spend the night talking about what they might do, and he dismisses everyone. After he, he kills the one who questions, I forget sure. the guy's name. He yeah. says, just take the black. Racking his brain, deciding what to do, and then the next thing we know, he's dead. And so he potentially, seemingly, although there's speculation, which I think we'll get to in some further chapters down the road but also potentially died to, like, his, um, this is always the classic, but, like, Amy's died just of stress. Like, it was too stressful. That was, And so I'm going to succumb <laughs> to... That was his 666. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his, him is too stressed out. Anyways. So, anyway. Wait, can we talk about that for a second? Amy's Targaryen. Mm-hmm. Aegon, proud, strong Aegon's first son. Died of of uh, of having to be the one to pick out the food. Basically, right. he from but from day one he was weak. You know, sure. like they describe him as sickly and spindly. Mm-hmm. That is not nice. No, <laughs> you know, yeah. Especially when you look at Magor, who is described being like the biggest, most powerful baby anyone had ever seen. Yeah. in their lives, also violent and terrible from literally day one. Mm-hmm. 
I really loved this line talking about Annie's early days. It says, Annie's would not disgrace himself in battle, his tutors told one another, but no songs would ever be sung about his prowess. I feel like that's such a... And he was a good singer. And he was courteous. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... So who do you like? That's the question. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't... Well, obviously, like, Megor's a quote-unquote bad guy in this scenario. Yeah. But... It's interesting to me when we can have the opportunity to zoom out from this view, which we obviously do, to kind of look at the secession of everything and think about Aegon's legacy and what he was trying to accomplish. And Aenys wasn't the one. Like, he wasn't the guy. And there was nothing he could have done. It was just he had bad personality. It's not you. It's not me. You have a bad personality that we don't like. But... He was the one who was supposed to be in charge. He spent his whole life just assuming that everybody was going to fall to his feet. And that was kind of the issue that came up time and time again, especially at the end of his reign, was he was just confused as why people weren't falling into line. But he just didn't have that, like, je ne sais quoi that his dad did in order to strong arm people people into his, to bend to his will. Yeah, I'm talking a lot, but there's... Something else that I found really interesting was I think that we've the end of Egan's life was so peaceful and like he died in such like a really cool, nice way, surrounded by his grandsons, like talking about the war and things have been really peaceful and very prosperous, but it hadn't been that long. And there was a point I cannot scroll through this chapter as easily (laughs) while we were talking, but there was some point where they were talking about all the lords and the kings and the guys all remember when he came. I mean, this is just a couple of years, what, 40 years between after the conquest, it's only 40 years before Magar takes uh, the, oh no, before he he gets exiled for it. But anyway, whatever. There's like 40-ish years between them. So this is all fresh in their minds. Like they remember life before the Targaryens even came or before they were even united. And so Aegon just had, as we talked about in the last couple episodes, he had the personality and he had the vibe and the faith let a lot of things pass. And he just was able to— For a long time they did. 40 years is a long time. Just kind of let stuff go. And so, you know, Aenys was kind of set up for failure almost in a way because he just didn't have, like, the vibe to be able to hold on to the— to kind of beat everyone to submission again. Or the wives. Or the wives or the— He only had one wife. That was his— that was his you need many wives weakness, to be able apparently. to. <laughs> but Magor and all of his faults, unfortunately, had the power to be able to beat everyone to submission or to at least do so bad and be so cruel and so awful that Jaharis could come in and make everybody feel good again. Yeah, and Jaharis was pretty far down the line too. Yeah, but you think about Aenys, if he had been able to continue to live and didn't die from the stress... He was holding on with threads to keep everything together. The Targaryen dynasty was quick to, was like years away from being completely done away with. And so. Plus, it's not fair that he claimed it so completely, I feel. Because the conquest was really Aegon and his two sisters. Mm-hmm. Rainey's died. And I know that there was complications with who was born first and complications with producing heirs in general. But once Anus takes over, it's, I guess it, it is, you, it is a, sort of your call to say, well, now the succession is just stalwartly with my folks. 
That's what he wanted. Sure. Right? You're in the position to be able to, you can do that. But one of the people that was the the reason why this all happened in the first place, Visenya, is still there, loud and proud, still powerful, still extremely smart, still giving you advice that you're not following at all. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you're going to double down on bad ideas. Just useless, not very good ideas. And you're her nephew. You're the brother's son. You're not someone that that anyone has a particular reason to follow. Only if there's power in Old Town and the rest of the realm saying that succession has to be like this. Otherwise, we won't follow you guys. But that's a really bad argument because Old Town and everybody else in the realm did not want the Targaryens to be there in the first place. Right. So how did they make that? A possibility to be changed? Well, they changed it. And that's the point that Visenya is trying to make the entire time is that the stuff that you're dealing with is not something that you need to think about. You need to act on it. That's what. That's literally how we got here. That's literally how we stay in charge. Right. What are you going to do? Well, he also it's, was just oblivious too. So he just didn't know anything. But she was saying it to him. He, she was. She was. She was saying But it was it almost him. too late. Because there's so many lines in this chapter where it's like, Annie's grossly misunderestimated why people were hating him. He didn't understand what was going on. He didn't see the writing on the wall, et cetera, et cetera. It was almost like he was sinking into being the king like 200 years into a dynasty. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the vibe they tried to give when it talked about his... Uh, effectiveness of being a ruler sort of around the castle uh, waning as he uh, gave in to having fun. <laughs> right. But he's only the second guy. But what is it like? What's his dad supposed to do? He taught him everything he knew. He took him everywhere he needed to go. He showed him everything he needed to show. But maybe. Not everyone's the same. Exactly. We're going to say maybe. Maybe he needed. It was a little too soft. Like he needed some. uh he didn't have enough conflict. <laughs> it was too easy for him. And I guess so. <laughs> it was because he came from the nice sister, <laughs> yeah, not the know. dark sister. Well, that's kind of almost the vibe I got when I was— Oh, for sure. That's the vibe. Yeah. It's the same energy as the 666 thing. George isn't really trying to pull any punches in this this chapter when you know, it comes Magor to cut, cut somebody's face off when he's eight years old. Yeah. He's like, oh, man, the horse kicked me. I'm going to kill the stable boy. Or not kill slash him, but he slashed his face when he ran up. I'm going to slash the stable boy as he what comes to see me do this. The murder of the cat. Oh, yeah. I can't remember that either. Maybe it was 13. The brother, that just, was when he got married. Sorry to interrupt so I can find the, uh, the well, cat killing. While killings. you find that, while you find that, it just made me kind of feel bad for Annie's almost because he just... And he dies in such a sad way. And so George R. R. Martin very much leaning into like the black and white good versus evil. When I think there's obviously so much more going on underneath the surface. For but. sure. But I think that's that's the point of what we're supposed to decode. Like it goes back to my question. Which one do you like? It, it's clear that that Anies is uh, someone that we could sort of relate to. He's talk, it, He's being described as someone that makes fast friends of people and that uh, folks gravitate toward Sickly. him. <laughs> well, other than that, but so they, they also say, yeah. said at, at one point he became like uh, he kind of grew out of it. Yeah, well, and it's another topic I want to talk about whenever, whenever his his dragon, whenever Silverwing or was it Quicksilver? Quicks. I, I get I get those two confused. Um, whenever they bonded, came together, and I, I Quicksilver. That's was the his. whole. That's the whole uh, 
a whole other chunk that isn't quite relative to many other things in the story yet for me. Like, for example, it doesn't really parallel with the, the dire wolves perfectly yet. Right. So um, I guess the mechanics of it seem a little broken to me. But it's nice and mythological and faithful. And I guess we could just say that that sort of bonding, that sort of adulthood boon um, is from a it's it's from a stock of people that are from like the Valyria, you know, the, a generation of, well, not a generation, but a, 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 a not a race of people, but because I'm sure it's not just people that look the same there. No, but it's probably just being a product of the time mm-hmm. and having such close proximity to these kinds of magical creatures. At some point, it became like maybe they intermingle their societies for so long but again it has to be some kind of a connection to some some kind of i don't i, I don't want to say magical connection to the earth but at the same time the way that they they bond with the dragons and it being s- seemingly uh familial uh has a fishy element to it but at the same time it could just be that they've they solved the they planned ahead and just kept all the dragon eggs so no other people could have dragons and that potentially this is a bonding experience that happened with a lot of folks. Well, and you think about later, not just with Annie's, but with um, his kids when um, Reyna puts the dragon eggs into Jaehaerys and Alisan's yeah. cribs. Yeah. So just kind of that kind of, yeah. like you think about, I don't know, I think about like my brother and our dog who they were like grew up together, you know? It's yeah. like you put them in that situation when they're both really young. Anus's dragon was his okay. same age. He was born the same year, you know? So and like so, that that relationship is sort of giving a perspective that he didn't previously know or that they don't previously know about at that time. Like uh, Raina and Dreamfire. It, you know what else it makes me think of is like the first time Harry wrote a broom. Okay. Which it doesn't even necessarily have anything to do with the broom itself. But that it gave him the first opportunity to be free or to be his own person. Yeah, you responsibility. Know? Yeah, and so I wonder if, like, for somebody like Anies or any of those people, obviously the dragon has a lot to do with it because that's a living, breathing creature that has, you know, its own vibe and energy. But that helps increase the, increase the intensity because between, you can't say no, you can't lie to it. It's like you guys are either getting along and understanding each other or you're doing something wrong. Right. And you're both young and you're at the same age and you're both kind of figuring out the world at the same time at the same thing and you both have this opportunity to explore freedom. Who was it that wrote, um, it was Raina who just, they, I think her, her and um, her dragon, so Dreamfire. So first kid, yeah. Dreamfire, they were seen as far as XYZ, like was flying everywhere, going yeah. all over the place because it was just this, oper- she was this shy, quiet kid and now she has this form of expression. And so I think that the way I see it, is I'm sure there's lots of connections that we just don't understand, like the quote-unquote logistics of it. But I also think it just has to do with like something being placed in your hands at the right time. And they just happen to be placing dragons into you at or giving a dragon to you at the right age that it latches on or doesn't. Because Magor never connected with his dra- dragons. They tried to give him he a ton of to. them. Yeah. He was just not interested. I saw that, the Blackfire thing coming the first time I read this, by the way. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously it's not like a... Not um, Blackfire, Valerian. It's not a sure sure of thing. Just because you're a Targaryen doesn't mean you're going to have some sort of connection. It's like something you're yearning for, or looking for, or wanting, and being open to. And, and in his case, taking. Yeah. 
But he was older at that point, so it's like he can understand the mechanics. I don't know. He was planning for it. Yeah, he, he it's knew like when less he was young. Idealistic, you know. Yeah, exactly. Which probably makes it easier for Balerion to be like, okay, you can replace Aegon. It all, it all, it all checks out. And again, back to who do you like more? The the start of this chapter. There's so much. I love what you said, by the way. I think that that's it. I think it's less mysterious. Like Tiana didn't actually curse them. She literally poisoned them. That doesn't mean it's not magical, but... Or does it mean it's not magical, kind of? Because if she just poisoned them, is it really a curse? I guess you could call it that, but sort of giving it too much gravitas for no reason. So why give the dragons and the Targaryens more gravitas than they need? Because it's fun and nice. It is fun and, and nice. But good. what if someone else rides a dragon and asks off? And we're well, like, oh what... shit, we were wrong about history and well, everything. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, well, psh. Maybe. I think that's what's going to happen. Like, okay. <laughs> Wait, since when? <laughs> Who's it going to be? Yeah, I know. What's your theory? <laughs> I think that's going to be what's so interesting about that when it happens. Just everything falls apart. All the gravitas of tales that we knew before are silly, and it's just it's blood and steel and mm-hmm. dirt and shit. That's better, Fire. though, because, well, Magor tries to kind of bring that into his reign at the beginning, at least. Which part? When he's like, let's fight. It's, it's him and the faith guys. Mm-hmm. The faith dudes. Yeah, there's so many different groups of them. Um, But when he first crowns himself and becomes king. Oh, yeah, the warrior sons. Yeah, he was like, okay, let's kill each other then. If either you're in charge or I'm in charge, whoever can win. And, you know, he almost died. Mm -hmm. But he wanted to bring that same kind of like grit and blood that his dad. Yeah, his dad and his sisters brought in. Brought in. Yeah. Which, you know. Or his his aunts. When I think about Magor, the phrase that kept running through my mind was that he was like a necessary evil kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And he was so bad Mm -hmm. that it was able to pave the way for the rest of them. But that foundation that the Targaryen dynasty was built on was fire and blood and rain. But we saw it from, as we were saying the whole time we were reading those chapters, we saw it from Aegon's perspective. And so he was hailed as this warrior. And I know that Aegon didn't, I know I'm summarizing a lot of the bad stuff that Magor did like I guess we could list it through but he killed a lot of people unnecessarily and he yeah. did a lot of things unnecessarily but he's also written as a bad guy and so but at first it it, it I feel like there's some misdirection because you're, you're reading this and we're we get Anus described to us in a way that he's like the red viper of Targaryens almost or the the new Rhaegar or the OG Rhaegar um, but not quite. He's got aspects of of his mom that we really liked, but she was being judged as a woman. So it seemed like it, I guess, made more sense that she would be like that. And also it mattered less that she was seemingly less strong than her two siblings because for one, there was two siblings. They were a package deal. They were a package deal. And for two, she's a girl. So it's like, yeah, of course she's like that. And there's there's Aegon, so it's maybe not that much of a risk. But there's no more mix of people. And there's also no diffusion anymore. When people were thinking of Aegon, they couldn't be like, well, Visenya is the evil one. And and Rhaenyra's, uh, is that her name or is it Rhaenys? I keep getting those mixed up. Rhaenyra <laughs> is the, Rhaenys is her, is the mom. And then Rhaenyra is Aenys' kid. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting, <laughs> wait, no, Rhaenyra is not Aenys' kid. Rhaenyra is uh, Alison and. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jaehaerys' kid. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. His um grand grandkid before we started recording you were like can you name all of the lineage and i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, so who do we decide it's rainies right okay so 
Rainera. Uh, yeah, Rainies is who you're talking about. We're getting there. <laughs> Rainies, Rainies and Visania, uh, they, like I said, they had that stuff that the that the realm needed. They had the friendliness, the, the balance, the charisma, the wisdom to influence the artists and the middle people. And Visania had the the wherewithal to go, hey, now we just need to go make them pay really quick and just take care of it. And so it didn't get to the point where it ever pushed over to any – it didn't tip. There was no tipping point. But with this guy in charge, and he's not listening to Visania, and OG balancing guy who is smart enough to to listen to all the sources and come out with a better conclusion is gone – now he's just kind of reminding me of a uh, Dorian almost. He's sort of just resting on that. He's resting on a principle that Egan talked about, right? Which was uh, let it like let let those things work themselves out. That's a different version of fighting. Um, and he just rested on it all the way, and he did it at a bad time where it had been. I know forty years. You said wasn't that long of a, of an amount of time, but I think it's enough of an amount of time for new people to get born, new people to get old. New people to replace them as young adults, new people to replace those young previous teenagers as teenagers. And they're all the same. They're all the same creature. They're all people, even though Targaryens want to look different and they want to be different. They interbreed within themselves so that they are different. Ultimately, they're still the same thing. They're still people that have the same sort of primal urges and they're bored as hell. Mm -hmm. They're so bored. So they don't go right for the king. They start fighting with each other. And so just like what was happening before the Targaryens came and what was happening during when they were actually trying to get it all together and it was partially put together, these small breakdowns of the structure, of the discipline, of the authority that that they hammered into Westeros just systematically started to break because people got bored and because they wanted a little taste for themselves and they're not giving enough of a taste to everyone. These fresh battles create fresh alliances and they allow chaos is a ladder. They allow new people who hadn't got a taste yet to come up and get a taste. If they hadn't got a taste yet, they're like, well, in this chaos, then I can help somebody out here and get a taste. Or maybe while people are fighting, I can sneak into a barn and get a taste Mm -hmm. or into somebody's house and get a taste. Whether you like to kill people or rape them or hang out with them or take their shit. Or you just want to pretend like this was your house all along. <laughs> you just get rid of them. Yeah. Uh, there's not that much oversight when the the lords of the of the area themselves are involved in crazy shit. And then it goes another level up. And it reminds me of um, there's a part of the chapter that kind of weirded me out a little bit. Um, but it makes total sense. But still weirds me out. Um, this was when Aegon the second and Reyna were. Uh, on their uh, little tour. Yes, they're on their little tour. I'm just going to read it. All along the route, the small folk appeared by the hundreds and thousands to hail their new king and queen and cheer the young princes and princess. But whilst Aegon and Viserys relished in the cheers of the crowds and the feasts and frolics put on every castle to entertain the new monarch and his family, Princess Reyna reverted to her former shyness. So this is when Anus and uh, Alyssa were on their on their procession mm-hmm. at storm's end oris baratheon's maesters went maester went so far as to write the princess did not seem to want to be there nor did she approve of anything she saw or heard she scarce seemed to eat would not hunt or hawk and when pressed to sing 
for she is said to have a lovely voice, she refused rudely and returned to her chambers. She's 14 in this. And this maester, I mean, I guess we could expect the maester to be the one to do it. But ultimately, I guess what filled up in my head is just everyone's just kind of looking around, looking at them and seeing how their family's doing, how, what the vibe is of the people at the court. And that's like the top version with the lords and maybe folks that control the navy below them and then actual lords, lesser lords, and then, you know, people that run their households, blah, 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 blah. So if there's discord with the royal people, there's there's an avenue we can we can go in and like, that's like, ah, I got you. And so now everyone's like, ah, I got you. And so they're constantly looking. They're not scared anymore. Mm -mm. They're not scared anymore. So this new king, literally the, on his victory march, they're like, they're, they are looking and seeing the weaknesses. And the weaknesses to them is, is simply the indecision and the non-committal uh, point of view of people in the family. They're already seeing it as holes. Like they're not a united front like they were when it was just the three of them. But you also add in the faith the issue there as well because that Look, sows a lot of discontent. Sure, but that issue was always there. The reason why it was less of a problem before is because they had such a crackless united front. It's like, and if you talk shit and you found a reason to uh, to say that they weren't doing a good job, they would just come in and burn you. Right. But this new guy doesn't want to do that. So right. they're sort of like without cost clocking all of the faults in this family. And for good reason, though. Yeah, they are. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what you would do. That's what anyone would do in those situations. It's a new thing. I mean, anybody does that now. People do yeah, that. That's today. what I'm saying. But it's hard not to notice it, but it's the stakes are less when you're just normal people. Sure. But, you know, King's Landing is gross and yeah. their dragons are not quite as powerful. That was part of my point. You, you nailed it then. Yeah, the King's Land, it, getting coronated in that city, it's like, I believe you less. He sat, was it? Anies who sat, yeah. he just sits in the on scaffolding the of the Red King. And it's just there's just a bunch of mud everywhere. A bunch of mud, and uh, the the uh, foundation had been dug around it. His that's dragon. Quite, that's quite an image that George wrote. That's pretty badass. It is. His dragon's, you know, less powerful, and Balerion basically rips its wing off with no problem. They talk about their different fire spurts coming out. Um, yeah, again, the, the one getting engulfed by the black flame. Quicksilver just doesn't. And we know that the dragons get smaller and weaker as time goes on, you know, within the Targaryen dynasty or whatever. But he just doesn't have, like I was saying, you Interesting. know, he yeah. doesn't have the power of the dragons. His castle looks lame. He has a issue with his aunt. I don't blame Visenya and Aenys, obviously, for the discord between them. I mean, I think that, like, Visenya obviously has, Aenys has a million reasons to distrust anybody because he's needs to hold on to power. And so Visenya obviously doesn't, is not going to have his best interests in mind because her kid seems cooler to her. And so she wants him to be in charge. This rebellion this split between the family was doomed from the start. But what I don't this understand, yeah, is I don't understand why maybe um, Aegon didn't, see this before he passed i think he was probably overconfident in his uh authority extending past his death the idea of him living on yeah. long enough that this thing could continue to work sure sure well he was wrong yeah, he, he was wrong <laughs> i mean i guess he didn't know vasena that well but i mean again what, it's, I, I think it's did. easy to see her as a sort of witchy character that's in dragonstone 
and uh, I, she's the mom of of someone that's this cruel and uh, vindictive. But uh, it's it, she's not the she's, reason why he's like that, though. Uh, well, I I think it's part of the cartoonish archetype that George is putting in, like the the elements of of. Anus's mom that went to him made him nice, and the elements of Visenya that went to Magor like uh, made him crazy. It's sort of what it seems like, but there's no, there's no context in this chapter about the way that he was raised, more so just like where they were. And so, if being in a place yeah. like Dragonstone could drive you crazy, I guess, um, then then maybe that's partially the reason. But well, and I just remember they were all apart yeah. for most of this time because yeah. when Aegon and Anis were going around. So maybe that's part Learning of the, the lesson. ropes, and then Magor and Visenya were on Dragonstone yeah, they doing were, their own thing. They were isolated, whereas the they were getting the others. Doing others were getting socialized, thing. right? So you got to take your dogs outside, basically. And people are gonna, you know, see them act stupid, and they're gonna be like, "That dog is dumb." But mm-hmm. at least, at least, it's better than you never take your dog around people at all. And mm-hmm. every time you go around people, it just rips the throat throat out of other animals. That's less fun, right? But she, the th- I keep going back. I, I really feel like she had every right to be pissed off, and to she should have claimed command mm-hmm. is what she should have done. She should have claimed command. Um, I don't understand why why that didn't happen, and I don't understand the momentum of dumbness from Anus. I can only assume that being constantly in a, a swirling truth of your dad being the supreme emperor of everything can give you that kind of. Uh, brain space to just sort of assume everything's going to be fine but the king remained oblivious to the discontent yeah and he was uh, at one point blunder after blunder it was a very personal little part in here where uh, george uh talks about anus basically writing to does he write to someone also anus gave suck that was a, not a good. I just saw that in my note. It says anus was spindly, and the next note says give suck. <laughs> George, come <laughs> on. Man. Within the first two paragraphs of this chapter, I get it. It does sound old timey when you talk. When you say wet nurse, that sounds old timey already. And then in the next sentence or two, you say give suck. <sighs> definitely Went sounds right over my head. Definitely sounds old timey to me. King Aenys knew these rebels had to be put down, but seemed unable to decide where to begin. Grand Maester Gawain wrote that the king could not comprehend why this was happening. The small folk loved him, did they not? John O'Saren, this new Lodos, the vulture king, had he wronged them? If they had any grievances, why not bring them to him? I would have heard them out. What? That's such a funny perspective. It's like he doesn't even get what's going on. No one's mad yeah, at you. Exactly. No one's mad at exactly. you. Exactly. Just, I'm such a nice guy. They're just bored. Yeah. They're just bored and they're hundreds of miles from you. I mean, like, they're going to do weird. The, with, throughout this chapter, when, when Aegon, honestly, the whole time even Aegon was ruling and he was distracted with the stuff going on with Dorne, there's been so many pockets of of small rebellions and just things that need to be policed. That if you it, it continue to happen, it diminishes your dominion. That it's this something like this is allowed to happen within your dominion, and so it basically just amplifies along Anus's lifetime. And that's really that's really the story of Anus. While while Magor festers and and he proves himself with strength, uh, tourneys and with certain battles and fights that uh, give him this like. Uh, 
reputation, along with the reputation that I think was also fed just by him being so different than Anus in the first mm-hmm. place. They're like, oh, he's so strong and mm-hmm. so different. And Anus is so weak and spindly. It's probably like a more middle-of-the-road vo- version for both of them. But when Aegon died, uh, Magor did go into the fire and get the sword. I mean, mm-hmm. that he's just like seem, seemingly cut from a different level of intellect as Aenys. I didn't get, honestly, uh, much wit from Aenys at all. But, well, he said he, he, was, he was clever but not bookish. That he like. How was that clever then? Well, I don't know about that particular scene, but well, I think about when he's also that makes me think about when he gave the other Valyrian steel sword to Magor. So then he had two of the swords. He's like, I don't want to fight with you. I want to rule with you. I want to do this together. I see that made me really like him. And I'm. that was, you would hope that, was cool. that that would have been enough for some, you know, unfortunately, Megor is, I think, a little bit too power hungry. And he's like being fed all these lines from his mom for, like we've been saying, pretty good reason. But um, unfortunately, he couldn't channel those two things. I think that if Anis had maybe made some better calls instead of like marrying his two kids together and wondering why everyone's hurting my feelings instead of um, kind of trying why to Why are see, they mad at me? Yeah. You know, then maybe Megor would have been more interested in creating a strong front but it's just interesting it also makes me think about like the importance of marrying your siblings together that the targaryens had like if magor and Aenys were able to make you know get married to each other they oh, would have yeah. had like a stronger union to like uphold the targaryen front together because they twist. were lawfully partners where um because they were brothers, they instead just clashed on the desire to be the one in charge, especially when there's no, like, real dynasty in place. And so... It wasn't that violent of a clash, though, honestly. They seemed like they didn't mind each other. The the, the exiles are Well, they weren't pals. Yeah, I mean, they didn't... I don't think they hated each other. They weren't close. It talks about them not being close. But I'm just saying, if they had been... That that is an interesting thing that I just thought of in this moment of yeah. is marrying your kids together is actually kind of smart because yeah. then it pulls them together in a united front like we're talking about mm-hmm. because there is no it's us versus them yeah because the more that you work with these people like you talk to the the archmaster and he's like I think that's a bad idea I think that it should actually be the lord of old town's daughter it's like what random Who's she random I where she come I from? wonder why you think that it's just Visenya is done with it. She's like, I don't like these people. I think their ideas suck. My kid is smarter and cooler than all of you by six. Why do I need to listen to you? So she's like, go fucking burn Old Town. And Anus is like, that is that tower is older than where we're from or something. They're like, look at this. This is old. It's Old Town. It's the biggest city. We too. can't burn Old Town. He's like, that's fucked up. He was like, we need it. It's cool to have. Like, we want to keep it. And she's like, I don't care about anyone or anything. I'm, we're going to literally stay here away from all of you guys until we get a moment to enact what we feel. Because any other version of that is not good enough. That's one reason why why Magor took exile so quickly. He was like, okay, well, this is what I wanted to do the whole time. You say I can't do it? Fine. Okay, five years? Got it. If it didn't have a, a, a deadline, it probably would have turned into a much bigger fight right then. But the fact that it seemed like, you know. I go hang out with my new girl for five years? Right. And no one's bugging me? Right. Then I come back and... I can just take my dragon. Yeah. And, you know, he doesn't... Anus doesn't say, you know, leave your dragon. He tries to get him to leave the sword. 
Right. <laughs> says, all right, if you can take it from me. <laughs> Which is such a funny response. Everyone in the realm is like, well, how can you run the realm if you can't run your brother? That's kind of fair, though. I guess. But, I mean, at the same time, like, it's his brother. Let him, you know, like, he's not going to execute his brother. Let him go into exile. I don't know. Yeah. So. That's the thing. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, what I was trying to talk about earlier is it seemed like we were supposed to like him. And then we're supposed to think that Magor is bad. But I thought that Magor ruled. I, I was so, <laughs> so much I was so team Magor for so I was for so long. I was <laughs> Let's like kill everyone. I was like, Annie's is not he is so useless. He's not doing anything. Right. I he's built Annie's is literally the red keep. Or the the reason why the red keep is so fat, thick, and strong, which is cool. I guess you want a weak king in charge whenever you're fortifying shit. That's pretty cool. But then when Magor gets back in charge, then it's like a different form of weakness. It's the extreme paranoia. Right, because so, then he kills everyone. A castle everyone. within a castle. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to kill everyone who worked on the castle so that they don't know my secrets anymore. And, and then bury he tries their bones to, under there. Right, and then he's like, oh man, now I want to build something else. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I want to participate. They all left. See, that's <laughs> yeah. the thing. That's the thing. And and so uh, I, like I said, at first was with him. He took it a little too far. Well, yeah. But he was effective, at least. Well, that's what I'm saying is, like, at first, you're kind of like, okay, he's got a strong arm, and we need this kind of strength, and we need this kind of fierceness if we're going to unite every these warring—everybody's rebelling again. Yeah. So, in the beginning, I'm totally with you. Yeah. But then he kind of—he loses his— he loses his audience, and everyone starts to whisper to each other, kind of like, is this—what's— like, well, did he have to kill his wife like that? Or did he have to, like, watch as his other wife tortured his one wife? But really, Tiana was the one who made the Alice, like, the whole kid thing. Yeah. And all of his babies being born as these really creepy monsters. Yeah. And the poison. And he killed when he, Tiana was like, well, Alice was sleeping with, here's a list of 20 men. We already got him. And then those 20 men also confessed to 12 more and so he kills all of those guys but then he kills all of Alice's whole family and everybody who even has the name and yeah. so he's like let's stamp and it he out. He goes to Hall to get yeah. the rest of them. You know, he, I mean, he uses state ran money, he used the government's money to go deal with his, uh, you know, sort of domestic issue. Yeah. That didn't need to be dealt with in that way. He didn't even just fly the dragon there, he took people. Was, see, that's that's where it started to slip for him. Well, it started to slip for a, a while, but... Um, but that's what is... It? Sorry. No, that's fine. It was always a chip on his shoulder, the kid thing, because he watched his brother have a billion kids, and yeah. then his brother has another daughter, and he's like, what the heck? Why can't I have kids, you know? I yeah. can't build my line. I can't have a show of strength of force i've got nothing yeah he's like i'm impotent basically yeah. well not not quite impotent but so the, he the idea that he's able to have a kid and it comes out this way again and again and again that's gonna drive you to madness when having a son is so important for your dynasty it didn't seem like a point of the chapter that he felt like he was less of a man for the record i read that i like maybe that's i think me it's in there between i think the it's lines. in there i think you're right I didn't. I didn't think about that because he seems to be so sure of himself. But, but every time he snaps, that would fuck with him. Is because another kid is born. We see that you know. Yeah, that gets to him because he's getting older. Well, even from the very beginning, when um, he was thirteen, the wedding. Yeah. When his the reason why he gets married in the first place really is because Annie's and Alyssa have a kid. Yeah. And so, like, oh man, he 
marries Cerise, right? That's how you describe it. She's 13. He's a lusty husband. He consummated the marriage 12 times, apparently. And bragged about the next morning. Swore I made that a son he had a last son, night. You know? And it's so, a fun breakfast. But he, you know, doesn't. And he continues again and again and again to watch his brother have kid after kid after kid after kid. Yeah. He can't do anything about it. And then all the stuff is going on. And then finally... His brother has another daughter. I don't know. It seemed to me when I was reading this chapter that all of his major breaks kind of tend to happen around either kids that were in ahead of him in line for the throne or his own children being born in this strange way. And that that was probably one of the major underlying reasons why he was so desperately trying to – and do something because why didn't he just act like he didn't care because that's such an important thing yeah or just lie he had like 17 lie lives like his sisters did or sorry like his aunts did yeah i said it lie like his aunts did in what way act like you lie and act like you're the dad like how like how they lied that Aegon was the dad of their kids mm-hmm Dropping bombs right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Were they not? No way. No way. No way. Wait, for real? No way. Yeah. Why not? I don't think so. Why not? Just I had a better it's just reason. a vibe. I used to have a reason. I had a reason when I was reading the chapter. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but that stuff's important. And so. I think 11 years into their conquest, Visenya having their first kids was a little suspect. Really? Yeah, and she was supposed to be barren otherwise, and the her proximity to weird stuff, and just the overall vibe of them all being so fiercely independent, and they're always separated. They they clearly slept with other people. It seemed to me like Annie's was the the son of someone that his mom met doing the stuff that she liked mm-hmm. and that Mago was the son of someone that Visenya met when she was doing the stuff that she liked. Maybe. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. It seems like, it seems to me like the, the Targaryen line was, if we go back to this, this, this point was always split, not just half, half. I mean, I guess always half, half, but I think that it's, it's more likely that the Targaryen line that <clears throat> we all, know about to this day from this point was originally from the 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 two women being the only Targaryen blood left and uh, that Aegon was probably not fertile is is, is, an, is my you, idea. They, they, they had two sons. That, and that's it. Yeah, they had two sons and they had a lot of time with each other and they only ever had two sons with each other. Or on the other hand... God bless, they only ever had two sons. <laughs> I guess like that, and that's not. But I did not think about that at all. Especially because we read, like we were saying, they have such a squad. And obviously in this time, sharing beds was a whole thing all the time. So unlike King Aegon was that he, was he that few even dared suggest that his grace was not the boy's true sire? The Aenys was some bastard born of one of Queen Rhaenyra's many handsome favorites, the son of a singer and mummer of mime, and the prince was slow to grow as well. Not until he was given the young dragon Quicksilver, hatching born same year in Dragonstone, did Aenys Targaryen begin to thrive. 
People are always going to say that, though, and always going to bring that into question when it comes to secession, right? Especially if, if he doesn't come out with a halo over his head, like the chosen king, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going back to the yellow toads, yellow toad stuff and maybe something happened with Rainies and somewhere in Dorne. Maybe that's where her kid's from. Sure. That's where Annie's is from. And um, whenever they were able to squash that with some degree, um, years later, Visenya ended up having a kid too. Finally, like down the line. And maybe she did it on her own. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially. The, that 11-year gap thing is interesting. What's well, it's uh, four years. We've been at 11 from the conquest. 11 yeah. from the con. Like yeah. they've been. It's like how busy were y'all? I know that he slept with your sister more, but it's just that it's so, this lineage stuff is so particular. And so, uh, I guess, I mean, that's what this whole book is about. So specifically a part of the story that I think that sort of the double meaning behind all of this is that while this is all super important to you that is in charge trying to hold your position, it also doesn't matter at all. At all. Sometimes there's no person left to marry, so you have to go marry a Hightower. Even though Egan, or sorry, Anus did have kids that he could have been married to. So that's a little sus there in the first place. But I thought it was so important that you married within Targaryens. And they're like, but, well. Well, because they were trying to protect the relationship with the faith. I think that that was that. And it proved. For sure. When Anus yeah. was like, I'm going to marry my kids. That proved to be maybe one of the biggest blunders that he. For sure. And so ideally. Yeah. In tradition, but it, to me, it seems like Aegon decided. Well, I guess he didn't have to. Like the the issue never came to a head until we got to that point. Yeah. But you know, it's one of those questions where you come into a new land and you conquer everybody, and it's like really early on, what kind of things are you going to keep, and what kind of things are you going to do away with for the sake of the quote unquote, for the sake of the realm? But then you know, we were just talking earlier about how much it would benefit to have such a strong show. For your fam when you like you keep it all together right so, so but. but if if other things are more important like holding the realm together by appeasing other people suddenly that thing that was i guess a part of your whole family creed becomes less important in this moment so it's like it is it's really important until it's not and that's kind of like the rule like the, you're really in charge until you're not and then there's some fights and then people decide if they want to keep fighting or not well i think in this case it's like well the sons of the dragon all right, the two sons of Aegon. I, th- I think it would be so funny if they just they were not his kids. sons. Sure. I mean, they're still Targaryens. Of course, yeah. Maybe people would think they're lesser because they're not the blood of Aegon the first. But at the same time, that's silly because it's it's clear that I – mean, look at look at Aenys versus Visenya. It's clear that men are just not by default better than women in A Song of Ice and Fire. Right, and Visenya and Rhaenys both were powerfully important exactly. when it came to – And so I think it makes sense for their story that the, the their kids were on their own terms. Interesting. Yeah. I never – I didn't even think about that at all. I just think it would help make light of everything the way George wants to make light of everything. It's also funny then looking at how Magor handled – if that is the case and you look at how Magor handled – that situation on his own. His own succession. His own as yeah. well when he thought that Alice had become pregnant by somebody else. Yeah. It would yeah. be kind of funny if it's like, well, that's how what happened to your mom as well. Right. But you're still Targaryen, so it's technically okay, man. But if you're going to be like your mom did, you have to hide it. And the thing is, he just felt like he didn't have to hide anything because no one could stand against his strength. And that's what 
his life has been like since the very beginning. We have these, we have three or four stories about him growing up and having an outsized violent reaction that made him the victor of all the situations. And there was no way to punish him for it because he was a royal kid. And sometimes it was celebrated. Like when he was putting down some of those early rebellions, everybody was thrilled. They loved it. And so that's partially why when I'm reading toward the beginning, I'm like, well, this Maegor guy, um, like they like him better. I know that they should like Anies because he's on a, a tour and he's rebuilding stuff and he wants things to be good and fair and for the vibes to be high. But that's all nice. That's nice. You got jokes to say. Ha ha ha. But uh, we're not doing so well 300 miles from y'all. And we have these we, we, vulture kings popping up. Mm-hmm. We got our new Lodos part two. Shout out Hannah's favorite character has returned in some right. way. Some guy is out here chopping people up to pieces. What the humor? Yeah. Yeah. Glad you're having fun. Cool. But uh, we're not having fun was this what they're trying to say. They're like, it's not that fun and for us. And we remember what it was like when we could just handle it on our own. They're like, we want to have fun. Yeah. You know, like we, so it's like management versus different levels is basically what, what it is. And so the upper levels having a lot of fun. And so his mid levels are like, we're not having fun because no one believes that there's authority now that they think that you're not going to kill them. So, so Magor takes it all the way to the edge. So now I like me. Hold on. Not yet though. I like Magor because the way that he, Visenya tells him she flies in like an hour, she's able to get him. He goes to the He's top ready. of the Erie. He takes down Jonos. And he, I mean, on, it's, it's one of the greatest moments of the story. Like, holy shit. The Erie was impregnable to any conventional assault or so King Jonos and his diehard followers. Let's start it again. The Erie was impregnable to any conventional assault. So King Jonos and his diehard followers spat down defiance at the loyalists and settled in for a siege until Prince Magor appeared in the sky astride Balerion, so he's standing up. The Conqueror's younger son had claimed a dragon at last, none other than the Black Drag. <laughs> none one. other than the Black Dread, the greatest of them all. And so he executed them all. Even the highest born amongst them were denied the honor of dying by sword. Traitors deserved only a rope, Maegor decreed. So the captured knights were hanged naked from the walls of the Eyrie, kicking as they strangled slowly. So thanks for doing that. And thanks for showing us like the first version of your outsized punishment that fits the crime. Right, but it was Just fine here. This time. It was fine here because... The, we could turn our eyes to it a little bit. Right. Plus they're isolated at the top of the mountain. Things right. are a little lit. Not a lot of people there to watch what they're doing. And, yeah. they're, you know, they rebelled and all this kind of stuff. What's most important is that you stopped it and now we can all get back to taxing the lobies and chilling out because we all got nice houses too. Right. And we just want this to be relaxed. Can you hold... They're like, can you... Hold it together because it sounds like Annie's was just kind of having fun. And that means that other people are having fun, but not us. Like now we're the ones that have to police everyone. We thought that you were going to do it. And so if you're going to do it, do it. If you're not going to do it, well, well, we need to figure something else out. Like if you're not going to do it, I'm feeling pretty religious these days. Right, right. <laughs> I'm feeling really, really. I love these little speeches that everyone's given. The moon, what is it? Um, What's his name? Maester Moon, not Maester Moon. Maester what do they moon. call him? Some guy declares himself the high septon of whatever. I don't even know what you're talking about. Anyway, he declares himself that because they don't like that the 
High Septon in Old Town gave Magor his blessing and then is having all these kids and all these wives. And so then this new guy declares himself the high septon of like the lows like the normal the common folk and he's going around and preaching against everybody against the the king and getting all the small folk and all the normally people are rallying their faith and deciding they're super religious now because this new guy well because we're this group yeah yeah <laughs> like i this, butchered that but i i forgot about that part um po- popular um Oh, Septon Moon. Okay, here it is. Here's another. So popular opinion begins to sway um, after the whole Red Keep situation and after This Queen is after Magor's Cerise, king and Annie's He's dead. king, yeah. Cerise yeah. gets sick and dies and everyone's like, oh, Magor may have done something that the popular opinion like really starts to sway for the first time and the small folk don't really like how mean he is and they're kind of getting tired of it. And so the Septon Moon, he's like a high Septon that was raised by the poor fellows. That's right. Against yep. the high Septon in Old Town. A ton Proto of crowds are being drawn. Yeah, yeah. Kind of high yeah. barefoot vibes of the high sparrow, just sure. like kind of pittering around, just preaching against the no king edits and stirring. In his, in his vlogs, none. He's like, I got this. Yeah, just stirring more and more. They're like, he has no edits. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> exactly. So, anyway. Oh, well, think- he just did a photo dump that's not a photo shoot. <laughs> right. Do you see the Biden did a photo dump? No. It was so funny on Instagram. Really? It was like the caption was photo dump and then the dates of the dump. And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> right on. Hello there, young kids. Uh-huh, exactly. It made me laugh. I was like, okay. These are whatever. That's a whole different discussion. Hey, anyway, man, it works. What I do want to <laughs> talk about and what I'm really looking forward to talking about in our next episode when Jaharis takes the throne mm-hmm. is how all of Magor's mess that he ends up creating at the end yeah. benefits Jaharis. Oh, yeah, he's a savior now. And his ability to then kind of pull everything together because yeah. Magor had, like you're saying, you kind of like him in the beginning for all these reasons that we've been talking about. Well, well it was structure now. We have it. We didn't have it. Now we got it back. Thanks. But he is called Megas are cruel for very obvious reasons and things really get out of hand and he just seems to just revel too much in the violence. That's of- the thing. It's like when Visenya said, if I were you, I would go to Old Town and burn down the Starry Sept because that's what's going to – that is what that is how we're going to get what we want. Like we are the Targaryens. They let us be who we wanted to be when Aegon was in charge. Now you're in charge and you're trying to marry your two kids together even though you shouldn't have. Okay, well, since you said you're going to do that, now you have to make it happen. And if you don't, then the people that all of the governors that we that we connect to each other are going to start not defending you. They're going to start allowing their poor fellows to go up against you. There's going to be secret alliances. Daria Martell is going to go, hmm, I remember. <laughs> it's just it, – We're far it away. It makes so much sense to Visenya. I just I, – I wonder how much – she cared about making it stop necessarily right for them and uh you know for what it's worth the the do you remember what happened at heron hall the first time yeah yeah they had that guy the gargan the guest was going around sleeping with everybody and he had an appetite for young girls which <laughs> okay <laughs> would go bed everybody gargan people didn't like him and so this guy here in the red Drew him out to the gate and then slashed him up and fed him to the dogs. Slashed up his stuff. Yeah, had him strung him up. Fed him to the dogs and then declared himself lord. And most of the men who were defending Gargan Coharis, I think is the last name, 
they all kind of agreed to join Hair in the Red because he was like, oh, this guy's kind of powerful. Yeah. yeah. And our guy's kind of a creep. So most people decided to just join him. And then Anus took a long time to do anything. And so by the time he um, actually came in to With men. Quell Instead it, of flying there, they were all gone. Yeah, they were gone. Or a lot of people were dead. And they started to get scared that they would assault King's Landing secretly. And, exactly. The same way. And then from there, then the Veil, the Iron Islands, Dorne, all that other stuff kind of just like, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Now, at one point, the the walls were scaled and folks snuck into his bedchamber. Bed yeah. It makes me wonder if he had quashed that thing at Harrenhal yeah. early yeah. and come in with a heavy hand yeah. if maybe everything else would have worked itself out differently. That's the thing. And it's funny that his original failure is what got is how Magor found his first wife, basically, or his first real wife that he liked. Yeah. Alice Haraway. That's very, that's just, it's kind of, it's kind of pretty. That, that, that is pretty. I mean, when, what a picture, you know, there's also another really clear picture. There's, there's two really clear, there's a bunch, but there's so many in this chapter. It must be so much easier to write like this than to actually have to write a book. Just to write a story, and you're like, these are the things that happened in it, and then this guy goes to this thing, and then this guy goes to well, that like you thing. You said he kind of gets tired at the end. You like yeah. you were saying, like maybe he got kind of tired at the end. Yeah, it was a sixty page chapter, sixty full so pages. We went through the entire lifetime of Agen's kids. It took I took all nine pages lifetimes. of notes. Usually I take like two. It was but so there's a lot, but there's a lot. I was almost like, should we? <laughs> split this up split this up because yeah. there's so many little vignettes that were just it'd be so hard not to just talk about everything yeah because it's all the same thing it's all it's a lot for for all the same thing but um if you're on the fence about reading this yourself if you want to just have a clear definitive picture in your mind and sort of feel familiar to these folks that you've never felt that close to don't audiobook it read it read it read it on like three cups of coffee straight and uh don't take any bathroom breaks and i think that you're going to feel a lot closer to these guys. It's getting better and better and better. Oh, for sure. The, you mean Fire and Blood? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. I, I've really loved this chapter. Me too. What I was going to say was when 80s was in his uh, uh, bedroom and you're mm-hmm. thinking about folks scaling the walls, like it's gotten that bad that they're crawling up the walls to get you. Jesus Christ, man. And uh, the same for uh, for his two kids when they were they were trapped with the, uh, the poor fellows. I forget the name of the town that they were outside of. Um basically keeping them there in this mean little shack surrounded by the poor fellows. Throwing, and then all their friends abandoned them. Rocks yeah. and stuff at them. Yeah. What a, what a visual to be stuck in. I think I wrote it down here. The young prince, just shy of manhood, remained at Craig Hall, half a realm away, trapped inside a castle surrounded by the poor fellows and pious peasants, most of whom considered him an abomination. And they're just trying to be nice. They're just trying to do the victory lap tour that their parents did. And they're literally just surrounded by people who think that they're disgusting, yelling that they're an abomination at them, stuck there. And Anus is up in his tower, and people are crawling up the tower to come get him. Why is everyone mad at us? <laughs> what did we do? <sighs> Everyone's mad, and y'all wanted to be their boss. Right. How about y'all just go back to, well, you can't go that back, you can't go back home. No. And Dragonstone's going to drive you all nuts. Right. <laughs> That's the thing. It's, it's. Why would you be crazy enough to try to take the Iron Throne is the idea. But, I mean, if you're going to do it, you kind of have to do it like the original, the, the big three did at first. But even then, it's just, how do you keep everybody happy? You, you know, don't. On all levels. I mean, that's a song of ice and fire. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everyone's going to be 
sad or mad. But there was no excuse for Magor to blow up like he did. Like he he absolutely lost his mind at every turn. Just the vicious cruelty and uh just like a I was proto Euron. Unnecessarily enjoying every opportunity that he had to kind of make a splash. This is really gonna be messed up. And then when he married Tiana, is that how you say it? Tiana? On top of all the bones. So when he struck That was another down visual moment, sorry. The yeah. warriors' sons when they were praying. After yeah. he could defeat them. After he healed 27 days later. Yeah, they were all yeah, praying and everything, and then yeah. he just psh, gets rid of them. And then he marries Kills, his... What was like a thousand of them? He marries his 700. little assumed sorceress from Pentos on top of all their bones. Another thing that I really liked when they describe... So there was a quote-unquote brief period of chillness. Yeah. Not a year, but there was like a couple months where no drama was going on. Uh-huh. But it described how the smoke and blood still hung heavy over and so it was just always 24 7 just and i think that that visual of smoke and blood and not being able to breathe and just like being choked by it's a shitty town already yeah by physically or literally and figuratively figuratively yeah (laughs) being choked by the smoke that is just kind of the outsized violence the cartoonish reaction to what happened but like i was saying and like we've been saying this whole episode someone had they needed to be fire and blood in order for this to continue to work and Anius just didn't have it in him and so now Megar was a necessary like unfortunately a necessary stepping stone in order for Everybody to be turned to turn towards Jaharis, who was able to set himself up to be the guy and the one. Uh, it's kind of like having your your kids marry each other. Almost, it's yeah. like if you need someone to be the bad guy, so everyone supports uh, the new guy and not like makes their own new guy, but like one that you pick. You kind of have to make the bad guy too. So the Targaryens well, kind of did make the bad guy and the good guy, and in you that situation, think about Daenerys. What is going to be beneficial and what we see is beneficial for her is because there's a very common evil that is a very, it's either you, everybody stays alive and tries to band together or we all die by this like common evil and seeing how that could potentially and will potentially hope we get to see some of it, how that will change her ability. I guess she doesn't live that long, but we don't know, but in Westeros later down having that like common enemy is so useful when I guess you could say even in American politics like this common enemy is always useful when you're trying to sway the tide of public opinion sure but, you just need those aliens right but even then it's less black and white because a lot of people are gonna ignore the fact that they're coming a lot of people are gonna just pretend like you're making it up even though they kind of believe you a lot of people are just gonna leave and not like stay there and join the whole fight. It's kind of like an old town whenever a lot of people left and then some people stayed and got drunk in the streets for Megor to finally come there because they wouldn't come on, just approve of his wife. Are you nuts? What a sticking point. Just approve of the guy's wife. I know that you don't confirm, but it's like, they're like, what but ground it, do we stand on? But it goes the, against so deeply their whole thing. Yeah, but their whole thing is also just stuff that they made up too. Of course, but you know, like yeah. you're talking 
I was about to say millions. I'm having thousands the wrong of years of tradition. Sure, yeah. Yeah. It's like that stuff doesn't matter, even if I point it out. Right. Which, I'm not saying that it's right. But that's but what like, that's what Mago was up against. Like that's one of the reasons why he was so I think why he was so he overcorrected so much is because he was really trying to make a point that n- none of it matters. The only thing that matters is the fact that I can do this. But Amy's did nothing matter to him. That, so he was the other version yeah. of that. Yeah. It just seemed like his cartoon was a little less cartoony though. Because uh, you know, like, how hard did he chill? Did he chill as hard as getting married on a mountain of bones? That's my question. I guess he didn't really have the chance to. I guess that is, no, that is chilling. Like, waiting so long to gather, like, a thousand people when you have a dragon. And you just replaced Aegon. Uh, and everything is still as crazy as it is now. Like I was that saying. Is, that is cartoonish. He's synced into the, yeah, like. Did. We've been a dynasty for five million years. Let me just phone this one in because everyone likes us. I'm going to marry my kids and yeah. I'm going to piss off my aunt and my half-brother. I'm going to make everyone feel alienated right. and out of the club. Meanwhile, just being, hello, sort of foppish. This chapter seems daunting and big and long, but I feel like there's these very clear themes that are kind of coming out of it. What are the clear themes? That... We needed a, unfortunately, needed this bad guy to clean house a little in order for the Targaryen dynasty to survive. Or we just needed Visenya to take over. Yeah. But would would she have taken it in a really, really bad direction is the question. I don't think so. <sighs> There's just something a little off about her and the darkness aspect of things. Her description of her right before she passed at the end of her death or at the end of her life. Yeah. When they talk about how her skin was melting off of her frame. Yeah. Basically. Maybe I know that's just that's a just sexy old. way to say that she was old. I think that that's just oldness, but I was just kind of like, I'm, the a, dark lens. I'm afraid of this, <laughs> this person. Yeah. I, I just, the witchy, the witchy thing is, I don't, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you like spells? <laughs> <laughs> Poultices? Speaking of Melanie Piper. Is that Melisandre? Melody Piper from the story. And I think that it's Melisandre. Okay, tell me. That's it. That's it. Is that one of the friends of Reyna? Yeah, it's the, it's the main friend who, who's, who's sort of influential in a way that seems outsized for Melisandre later. Yeah. So I was like, that can't be Melisandre. Yeah. But at first when it was just like, and uh, it seemed like George kind of stuck his neck out a little bit to go. And by the way, we met this person who really liked... We really liked being a part of the family mm-hmm. for some specific reason. No big deal. <laughs> so I thought, well, why is it important that Melisandre is named Melanie? Why? Is it a way to, to humanize her or is there is this another hint that's going to come off of another hint that you dig deep into and find? And so if she was mentioned once, hiding that name deep within fire and blood. Makes sense. If you're not going to if you're not going to show us at all, then fine. But if you are going to put it somewhere, put it here in this 60-page chapter in Fire and Blood amidst all this death and destruction. Um, yeah, like I said, it seemed like the second mention of her and the subsequent third mention of her in this chapter and the way that she's more uh, inf- inf- instrumental in their Westerland stuff. Uh, again, there's so many details. I know, because I completely, I mean... I don't know how I remember this. This is helpful because I <laughs> missed this one. It seemed to me like... It was just a little bit random mm-hmm. for for a mention to be made. Sure. Is all I'm saying. Sure. So I don't know. If she's not this person specifically, 
maybe there's some kind of a um like a, a figurative connection that um is like a hint or something that is is buried in here somewhere so maybe we'll get more details as we continue in the read maybe i'll think you know more and as the time that we have to wait till the next book comes out and i'm like all right what now <laughs> dig back into that <laughs> stuff it's gonna be my new thing <laughs> yeah i mean i mean i'm gonna have to to, to look at something because I've already looked at A Song of Ice and Fire so much. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, maybe we can dig deep into this one that we thought maybe doesn't have new stuff. But, you know, as I read more and more, it seems like, you know, like I said in the last episode, that's not the case. Still, creepiness around the God's eye. I just imagine the God's eye literally being a God's eye. And he's just sort of like, like George is writing the story and he's got this overall awareness of, Maybe there's at the very bottom of everything, like like a like Stephen King often does this. Like for example, Children of the Corn is this built out story. This couple car breaks down outside this town. They're like 23, 25. I think they're supposed to feel like they're 40, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it was made in the late 80s. So uh they were actually only like 22, but they just acted like they were 40. Right. You damn kids. Right, right. And nowadays it'd be like, hey, what's your number? Right. <laughs> uh Anyway, they break outside of this town, and uh, they don't meet any adults. It's like all kids. Like, what the hell's going on here? And it turns out there's this cult that's sprung up around this one kid who has the ability to communicate with this strange force, right? And so because of this this power that they've gotten and this information that they've gotten, this outside power giving them the ability to dominate their current lives which is to get rid of the adults to allow them to really see that they can be ruthless enough just to murder these adults because you can just poke someone with a knife and they'll bleed out it's like a scary movie and we were growing up we're like oh my god children of the core totally ree, ree, totally ree. oh my god i remember parents wouldn't let me watch it they like go in the next room or i would want to get out of the room like, oh my god something scary is on the tv i'm four years old i never old. watched it yeah you're like what could this possibly be right well in the multiverse of Stephen King, um, all of his books are connected. And so this really uh, influential pop cultural uh, smash hit that gives you so many visuals, like when I say it to you and when you think about it, it's like, what could it be? Da, da, da. It, it, it actually was easy for him to write because he knew the whole time exactly what the monster was. Mm-hmm. He was like, this is the monster. This is how it works. And then so from there, he was able to zoom out and go, this is how people in the town would react to it. This is how kids would react. Kids would know way less what to do than adults would. So that's why this monster would want to interact with kids first off. Or maybe if the monster had met an adult first, it would be all adults. Or it wouldn't be just kids if the monster didn't know that kids existed or something. So this monster that's in the cornfield is simply like a wraith-like spirit. Mm -hmm. One that is uh, unfortunately able to cross-dimensionally from wherever in the Stephen King multiverse he's from – to the earth realm and i think that he's doing it on purpose i can't remember the dude's uh motives right but his motives are just more fruit to the story yeah but ultimately there's something down at the bottom of it that you can just choose as your anchor to write circles around and so i'm like seeing like that plantos is like a body and like the god's eye is his eye and magor is fucking killing thousands and twenty thousand people right there for some reason why why is this so important? What's going on in this story? Like, what anchor is George writing circles around? Is it where the tree roots pass through? Is it the bottom of Valyria? I don't know. But it seems like there's some sort of, hopefully, there's some sort of function that he's able to use as his guiding force within all of this. Mm-hmm. And 
there's questions in this chapter. Weird stuff with Dragonstone. Again, more mentions of the God's Eye. Uh, Tiana the Tower, just in general, everything she's able to do, juxtaposing that with just simple violence and ferocity and maybe a little bit of mysticism. We don't know. Where did Magor go when he was gone for so long? What does he know? Euron, Horns, Old Town, da-da-da-da-da. So there's, I think there's, I think we're going to get a lot of answers in this read-through, is Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. It also makes sense because, and this is just from a very, I guess, meta standpoint of that, why would you take the time to write and publish and put this out there? Money, money, money. I know, but I want to think a little idealistically about it, too, for a second. When you're talking about everything swirling around the center point, there's got to be pieces in here that are going to be fruitful, even if it's little... Moments that make me think like the um, Sam Tarley, they call him in this chapter, the guy. Savage Sam. Savage Sam. Yeah. Obviously, that's not connected. With Heartsbane. To our boy. But, you know, little things like that that kind of get your wheels turning and thinking about the characters that we truly, I mean, we care about these guys too. But when we think about our bread and butter, it's fun to finally understand some of the backstory and the motivation behind all these people that they history repeats itself that they've been learning from yeah it's it makes it more rich but it also opens up the opportunity like you said for him to put the stuff in there to one make it useful for us to read and to um to amplify the stuff that he's putting out right after this i mean what a great a, what a great function and a, like a opportunity for an artist to be able to do that um that being said long chapter long chapter long journey a a lot of reading for a pretty short point really mm -hmm. that's what i was kind of saying about us earlier like talking in circles almost because we feel like are driving the point home because that really is the overarching it we're also very much at the beginning of fire and blood we were looking before we started talking and recording about how close we are to the house of the dragon people and so we're about a two-gener Harris is the grandparents of those peeps. So we're inching closer and closer to the conflict that's going to surround the main plot of House of the Dragon, which I'm really excited to get into too. And begrudgingly began this whole reread, this whole thing, because, you know, I think the first couple chapters are not that easy, especially the first chapter is not that easy to get through. But like you were saying, if you haven't started actually picking up and reading alongside us and you're just kind of listening for whatever random BS that we're saying, I think that it is a worthy exercise that I am fully on the hype train about. Yeah, me too. Especially if he keeps promising me. This is so far four chapters in a row that I've been promised that there's some stuff going on. A lot of little jokes, though. Little side stories. Um, Dick Bean. And, you know, a lot of... Uh, just fights over and over again. <laughs> then eventually, Megor was sluggish and confused. He was just—he was literally so caught up in just murdering people that I think that he drove himself crazy. Maybe you can't stay normal if you just murder people. It's kind of like working out. It's like you're gonna have bigger muscles, bud. Maybe if you just—if you're savage like this to folks, that it's just the humanity, the like ability. They're like, you yeah, can't split your soul because yeah. if you split it too many times, then you become... I don't know how true that is, though, you know? Like, can you see yourself, like, like say you killed, like, 50 people, do you think you would be different? Yeah, because you start to become numb to the consequences of your actions. What if, what if you're already... My dog is numb to, to murder. He like, I mean, he's numb, but he's super nice. 
Because he's an animal. Right, but why can't we just unlock that part of ourselves? Well, Magor tried. He did. Yeah. Hmm. And 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 it they just stopped supporting him because they had to. It's like the power of the gods is the only only way he was shaken. They had to sacrifice thousands and thousands of their lives to make a rebellion happen out of nothing, basically. All about him not listening to what the crown said. That's something that Aegon really, the first, really knew what to do. He knew that there was, I mean, it was, it was the beginning of their stay there. So it actually makes sense that he would pay such like serious homage to the people that were previously in charge. That makes total sense. And to have the gates be open and to just be able to sort of like backpack on the power that they had before, it makes sense that he would be uh, like respectful. But um, it also would make sense that Annie's all these years later would be like, I'm just going to marry my kids again because these are my kids. And this is my legacy. And I'm sorry. This is someone's son. I'm someone's son. All right. I'm Aegon's son. This chapter is called Sons of the Dragon. I'm someone's son. What was I saying? You were talking about how Aegon's someone's son. He's someone's what son. he got right by paying homage to oh, his. Yeah. I think that Magor had most of the infighting covered, though. It was just this one that came from like a, a command, basically, but also Septon Moon kind of energy i think it goes back to i think it's actually the same thing that the mids got mad at it's like well now that the mids got resatisfied because of the strength they're like well guess what they're like even if you kill me in the field my life is basically just me dying because no one thinks i'm cool i don't think anything is cool and no one wants to kiss me and i don't have anything you know and my feet hurt and i'm dirty so, like, let me just climb your, let me climb your house. Right. <laughs> like, let me crawl in the window. Just poke you, like, as hard as I can with this thing that's going to make you bleed, dude. So I can feel something. So I can feel something. Uh-huh. God. <sighs> okay, so I don't know how to fix it, y'all. But hopefully we figure it out by the end of this book. Right. Well, we don't have to be in charge. We're about to spend a lot of time with Jaharis, yeah. too. Which I think might be interesting because then we can get into... How good he actually is well, or yeah, how good what, he seems. What we're missing, What we're missing and what we like is kind of the weeds of why you make the decisions that you make. And we've been able to, you know, glean these big overarching ideas. But I think it'll be interesting to see literally how you're handling specific things and how those little things play out instead of it just being a sentence of like he couldn't hack it and so he died you know so that'll be a good exercise because we've really sped i mean the history just speeds through this beginning and so yeah now we have an opportunity to like dig in as a lot of these traditions continue to get put into place and like the dynasty continues to be solidified and in our mind minimized because we see how every brick that got there mm-hmm. it's a little a lot less mysterious right don't read the history books everyone <laughs> i feel a little bit less secure in how things are going in the world You're like wait a second it wasn't a tea party uh-huh. the boss in boston they didn't party uh-huh. <laughs> wait, what do you mean yeah okay one brother died from uh indecision and stress just oh my god he just got so weak and he and then the other one, the same thing, except maybe Supposedly. he slumped on his chair. Yeah. So do you think that there's foul play in well, I, either of these guys? Yeah, I think that that 
It could both. potentially be a question of like Magor. First of all, the date that he died was too perfect for it to be for sure. six six six. Um, if we keep saying that on the podcast, they're going to get cursed. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I think that there's some potential idea that there was foul play with Mager, especially because, like we were saying, him, his indecision or his not sure of ability to act is not something that we knew about previously. And so it seems a little strange that he, you know, what do I do? Dismisses everyone. But at the same time, I mean, who's to say? What a cool lesson from Germ. I like the idea that the, uh, there was a line about how the Iron Throne literally killed him. Like yeah. maybe he just sat down the wrong way. Yeah, leaned, leaned back. <laughs> yeah. Listen, when you're at that point of uh, of like exhaustion, of you slump into your chair. There's so many things are going wrong. <laughs> like you're like every food place is closing. Like what the hell are we supposed? I'm to getting do? hungrier and hungrier. Getting, it's, you can either let it get worse, uh-huh. and you can like accidentally hit the corner of the chair and then sink back just a little bit because like your your movement's sloppy and uncontrolled, and it might split you open from elbow to wrist, and you're like fuck, fuck, like just because you didn't pay attention for a second, and you're more likely to not pay attention in moments where you're like that, where you're being overtaken by this emotion instead of keeping a completely calm and level head, and it seems like that's what happened to both of them in different ways. Just one was like a, which was how that was Annie's vibe this whole life, and the other was an. Which yeah. was Megor's vibe his whole life. <laughs> he was really cruel. At first, he was interesting. He seemed like a fun dude to be around, honestly. But, like, mean. But, geez, man. He took it a lost little. Lost the narrative in there somewhere. Yeah, too many. I think his mom's to blame. <laughs> 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 Who should have always been in control the whole time. So that's a... that that uh, Those things don't line up. But there, there you have it. Uh, Iron Throne killed Megor. Potentially. And, Probably. Uh, and now we've got like a new set of people and they're just as good as the last. Right. Does it really matter when or where they were born? Finally, we get some brightness back whose in. Whose parents were who? Can we get this brother and sister couple back into their bedchamber, please? <laughs> Can you all make some more kids or what? It's so funny. It's It really comes down to Magor having three wives and all these guys across five the, wives across the nation are like, okay. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. That they're like they're having so much fun in King's Land and they're having their kicks in any way they want. Who was it that one Tyene Tyana? I can't yeah. They're like Did they all three sleep in the same bed on their wedding night? That and that um We can do that? Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. <laughs> it's like, wait a second, the guy taking guests right got murdered, and now the guy taking three wives got murdered. Hmm. Okay, so okay. Well, it seems like there's an angry mob outside your door at all times. Don't stick your head too high above the grass, everybody. Um, or or you can. You know, you can be brave if you want, but don't be uh surprised if you get cut down to size. Bum 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 bum. It's cool. I'm ready to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna say from all of those moments and vignettes, then how do you even pick the one that stands out the most. Um, I well, I'll say that I love that Oris came back and was able to get revenge in Dorne mm-hmm. on his terms, mm-hmm. viciously. And uh, also got handed to Robar, who's going to be important moving forward. And just to the Baratheons in general for seeming like they're like sort of the upper crust of Westerosi intellect, whereas like Lannisport, the Westerlands. 
the Lannisters, let's be specific. It seems like there's a lot, there are smart people, like pretty smart people in Westeros. It seems like the Baratheons sort of like are always right there. They kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So Robar Baratheon for being smart enough to uh, basically do like what modern, like what what, uh, Valerio is trying to do, you know, sort of being an instrument. And he can do it because he 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 rules storms in. So uh, there's like I said, episodes ago, there's all of the uh, justification for how this works. Like the math is there. Who's leaving what area? There's a, a quick little mention that um, when the Lord Reaper of the Iron Islands, who was Greyjoy at the time, uh, overthrew the second Lodos, is uh, reawakening, uh, re uh, like re rebellion. Um, sequel rebellion in the Iron Islands without really needing any help from anyone. He was like, "What do you need? I'll give you pretty much anything you want." He goes, right. "Can you get these these pious septas? We got to call them nan septas. Like they're just like, like <laughs> we what? don't like them. we don't like your robed heads and uh, the like. There's just you guys think you're better. They think they're better. They're like we act this way, and they're like, and they they come into our house and they say, "This is how we're supposed to act." No, we're not going to do that. If we get one wish, send all of your church people and the science guys that you use to spy on everyone and to keep like a sense of connectedness and normalcy in this realm away. And that was the seed that was planted for the Iron Islands to continue to be as crazy as they are to this day. Whereas these other places are sort of assimilated and fell in line because they had this influence that all came from the same place and this spidered out network. That moment cut them like the rest of the way they continue in their own tradition it's like much like dorn as well it's like you can kind of continue in your own heritage that's true yeah yeah and the they're North both like too kind of though sure but like you know there's picel yeah even though still he's wandering around on their side and, right. and there's every every major town's got one of these guys too right they're right. always around and they're useful and they're free but at the same time like you know what they do like they create the fiber that connects us all together and they just didn't want it they didn't want that at the time that lord reaper didn't want that in the iron islands it was such a smart move because they're they've been able to stay independent for so long and they've had fresh rebellions to this day um where we currently are in the story anyway so i thought that was a cool mention uh those are my own i think i have other stuff written down but they're i think they're mostly just like violent uh <laughs> violent uh um, reactions to stuff, um, you know, like violent reactions to the violence. Yes, that, like a more violent reactions to the violence. Fleeing old town. I thought this was a great. I'll, I'll this is. I'll be done after this. Um, this is a night for song and sin and drink. Men told one another, "For come tomorrow, the virtuous and the vile burn together." This was old town when they thought Magor was coming, and he was. Others gathered in seps and temples in ancient woods to pray that they might be spared. Thousands, so they all fled from Old Town. And, yeah. and the thing is, our bad guy is the king. Yeah. So he has full dominion and he can fly. And his really fast. Really fast. And his light can like light up the sky so he can see. So we're literally trying to find holes that we can hide in. Mm-hmm. We're going into the woods and we're going into ancient like crooks and crannies. I just thought that that was such a romantic, like medieval perspective that he don't, normally doesn't give us because mm-hmm. like, they lead the mud gate and it's like all right wherever it's like just hawking fields outside of king's landing but old town where it's tucked in it feels lived in like it's like a really fancy suburb outside of that city and it's like oh my god they're hiding in their fancy suburbs they're scared to death and then who mysteriously dies before the sun comes up that was so cool it's like yeah it's this one guy's opinion i guess is your faith really worth all of that that's the whole other conversation 
the the problem with the faith, you know, is, is this something that's not going to stop for these guys. I mean, but he Mager does do a pretty good job of eradicating any uh, like possibility for them to band together as easily as they could before. Yeah. Which then we see the reversal of that. Yes. In our times and all the issues that that brings up. Just an interesting little balancing instrument uh, from such a long time ago that is still coming back in a weaker form right now. Sure. Uh, in the current story, totally. but still like bigger. finding its own way to come back. Yeah. It's, what a vicious scene though, that fight where Dick Bean stepped out and then the other night was like, any other night's going to come and step up and do this too. And, you know, you're like, you, you get all the way to that point and you decide to duel people. I don't know. But that's what you're saying is that he, we needed a form of strength. Like they're looking for, and the people liked that too at the beginning. Yeah. Like they wanted the physical prowess that yeah. he provided. And so he decided, let's duel it out. Let's do it like my dad did. Owns? I think I'm going to go with this pretty early on in the chapter for my own, just because I feel like it kind of encompasses a lot of what is to come. But it's talking about King's Landing and kind of what it looks like. And it says, the fishing village where Aegon had first landed had grown into a sprawling, stinking city of 100,000 souls by that time. Only Old Town and Lannisport were larger. Yet in many ways, King's Landing was still little more than an army camp that had swollen to a grotesque size, dirty, reeking, unplanned, impermanent. And the Aegon Fort, which had spread halfway down Aegon's high hill by that time, was an ugly, as ugly a castle as any in the Seven Kingdoms. A great confusion of wood and earth and brick that had long outgrown the old log palisades that were its only walls. And I just think that that is such a good summary and overview that I don't, we didn't really get that kind of summary at Aegon's peaceful reign and all the beautiful and peaceful times it had after his conquest. I feel like this does a really good job of kind of summing up what daily life was really like and all of the mess that Aenys and Maegor inherited. inherited and kind of what needed to be done to really keep the kingdom going. So Yeah, I guess that Aegon and his sisters probably should have just talked about stuff and agreed. And I think the foundations would have been less spindly, mm-hmm. less slapped together. Mm-hmm. But he didn't spend time there. Yeah. He split his time between there and he was traveling everywhere. Remember, he was on the road with the people. I mean, more so agreed on how they, uh, I mean, yeah, how the city was built for sure. But I think that that's almost an analogy for the mess that they inherited. Right. Because if they hadn't had been so split, if they hadn't had a plan, Visenya wouldn't have been like that. And Aegon's kids wouldn't have been like that either. Potentially, probably. If they had a united front, it would have been the original issue, which no one can stand against. But now we put dragon against dragon. All of a sudden, Everyone else wins. You guys lose. And you thought that you were actually defending what you wanted. Mm-hmm. You just let everyone else win. Right. So on to that. Okay. Those are our owns. So next we will go on to your owns. And we'll stop, stop first by Instagram. And our first own is from CH more or less who says, Your grace is welcome to try and take her from me. The king wanted no smoke talking about the Valyrian steel sword. <laughs> so from Twitter at underscore Eliza Bennett underscore. Well, let's just read uh, Eliza's own for chapter three too. Um, goes to Queen Rhaenys for involving herself into the affairs of the common folk and obviously establishing the rule of six. So there would be no beatings or deaths excused by law. That's one uh, little extra thing that they stuck in there that didn't have any uh, like bad Bad results, unless you're the, the rapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah. 
sometimes sometimes there's no like over outsized like uh like uh negative reaction sometimes you just do a good thing i think that those those are harder to get unless you count the lashes on that guy's back the negative that comes from it Elizabeth goes on. Also my own for chapter four goes to Lord Goring Greyjoy, who wisely asked King Aenys as a reward for putting down one rebellion for the right to expel all the Septons who had come to the Iron Islands to convert the Ironborn to the Seven. They all should have learned from Goring. Hmm. Um, our next own is kind of an honorary own that comes from at Mike McCann 555, who says, out drinking at the moment, very smashed. We'll send one sober. Right on. Sorry, Mike, you didn't make the deadline, but we appreciate the pics of your night out. Thanks for letting <laughs> us know. Hope you had a good time. From Travis Cole, straight savage Cole on Twitter. My own for the Sons of the Dragon. Where, oh, where shall I begin? Wow. A 55 page chapter. You're telling me. So much transpired. It feels like there should be a five owns at least. Though I'll do my best to dwindle it down <laughs> to three. The cherry on top came at the very end of the chapter when indicating that Mayor of the Cruel's reign lasted six years and 66 days. Crying, laughing emoji. Twisted to the side. I'm with you. I, on the, Especially the sideways laugh. Though numerous owns could go to King Magor the first and his mother, the Dowager Queen Visenya, who got my own last chapter. I'm going to give mine to a few more obscure characters in this chapter. Heck yeah. My first own goes to Savage Sam, a.k.a. Lord Samuel Tarly of Hornhill, who cut down dozens of Dornishmen with his great Valyrian steel blade heartsbane and then tied up the naked Vulture King between two posts until he perished of thirst and exposure, thus ending the so-called Second Dornish War. I'm extremely upset this was never talked about in the show or in Aswaf, to my knowledge. We didn't talk about it a lot in this episode either. Savage Sam is such a <laughs> badass name, and I wish the Samuel Tarly we knew could have gotten that moniker, though Sam the Slayer is still pretty amazing also. I agree, but I'm, I'm glad they both got the same sort of aggressive name. The alliteration? Yeah, the alliteration, and I definitely think that Sam was like his, his spirit twin. Somewhere down the DNA structure, they shared something at one point. My second own goes to Oris Baratheon, a.k.a. Oris One Hand, for smashing the Dornish beneath the walls of Stoneham, dismembering Walter Will's hands and feet since Will's father took Oris's sword hand previously, then dying content and smiling at the rotting hands and feet that dangled in his tent <laughs> like a string of onions. Sounds like a Baratheon if I've ever heard one. And Travis says my last own has to go to Magor the Cruel when he had all the builders and the workmen and the Red Keep put to death after three days of feasting them with wagon loads of strong wine and sweet meats and whores from the city's brothels to, to prevent them from ever revealing the Red Keep secrets. A nice throwback indeed. And then uh, Travis goes on to communicate with Mike about the kind of alcohol. The revelry that yeah. they <laughs> shared. If you want to send in your own or any pics, nope. <laughs> If you, want send, <laughs> if you want to send in your own or anything else, you can find us in various places. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram by searching for Game of Owns, or you can send us an email to contact at gameofowns.com. You can send us pics. If you're going to send us pics, send us pictures of your feet and don't charge us anything for it. Yeah. <laughs> Just give us all your feet pics. Prove it. Prove that you like the show. <laughs> show us your feet. <laughs> Don't do that. The next episode of the podcast, Fire and Blood Chapter 5, Prince into King. Jaharis coming in hot. Let's see what you can do. I'm looking forward to putting this guy on blast Me too. <laughs> <laughs> no he might he might be cool i mean in the wake of everything he's probably gonna seem like a total hero exactly that's what we yeah. Was, yeah so looking forward to that so that episode will be next 
send in your own, start reading. We don't know how long the chapter is. It might be another 66 pages Would at you this read point. Fire and Blood? Let us know in the comments below. <laughs> Would you put that on your um, like reading playlist, you, your reading yeah. order? What kind of books do you like to read? And what, who did you think was the best king out of this book? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. God bless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those aren't bad questions, though. Uh, if you guys liked Magor for a little bit, so I feel a little bit less crazy, maybe say that in the comments below, uh, too. And Hannah, I will see you in the next podcast, you know, mm-hmm. where I, I hope that the next chapter is just as long. <laughs> Me too. 